Here's today's transformational truth. All Christians understand they were saved from something, but many don't realize they're saved for something. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. On today's episode of Transformational Truths, we have a very special guest, Pastor Ben Daly. Ben and his wife, Kim, serve as the lead pastors of Calvary Church, a multi-campus ministry headquartered in Irving, Texas. Pastor Ben has authored three incredible books, Collide, Limitless, and now Captured by Grace. Ben and Kim have also launched GCCM, the Gospel Circle of Churches and Ministries. It's an incredible network and relational on-ramp to Calvary Church and Ben Daly Ministries. But what we love most about Ben and Kim Daly is that they are our friends. In fact, Ben Daly is one of my closest friends. That's why I'm excited to have him back on Transformational Truths today because I know him personally. I know Ben's heart. I've spent time with Ben. We have talked regularly, and I know his character, and I know his desire to truly and genuinely help people, help pastors, help leaders. And so I wanted Ben to come on to Transformational Truths because I know he's going to be helpful to you today. We had an absolutely rich conversation, and I believe this is going to help some of you restore some joy to life. So let's go ahead and get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Transformational Truths. Here's today's transformational truth. All Christians understand they were saved from something, but many don't realize they're saved for something. And that was actually taken from my good friend Ben Daly's newest book, Captured by Grace. He's here with us today to unpack this idea. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited to have Pastor Ben back. Pastor Ben, thank you for being back on Transformational Truths. Well, I feel like I'm someone special, that I would get invited back to your podcast. And I was thinking a moment ago that there are three types of people who can make a difference in your life. Those who helped you in difficult times, those who left you in difficult times, Hmm. and those who put you in difficult times. (laughs) I want to say to you, you are a friend. You've helped me. And I'll tell you how you've helped me. You have helped me by regularly reminding me of who God is and by regularly reminding me of who I am in him. Hmm. And I want to say a big thank you to my friend, Pastor Travis Hall. I love everything you do. I celebrate you and I honor you. Thanks for letting me be on your podcast again. Well, Pastor, uh, I'm honored to have you. Uh, you are one of my dearest friends, and and you are the first guest to be a two-time guest. You're the first guest to be in, to be wow. invited. Yeah, to be invited back a second time. I would not have it be anyone else. I'm I'm thankful for our relationship. Um, but let's talk about what we came here to talk about. I'm excited about this new project, Pastor. Uh, captured by grace, be freed from fear 
so you can really live. This project is exciting. You know, I was having a conversation recently uh, with my team and I told them, I said, you know, we're living in a time, there's a lot of stuff being released. There's a lot of stuff being published. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dialogue and conversation, but this is one of the most important things that I think we can talk about in this season, which is why I'm so excited about it. Tell us why you wrote this book. Well, Pastor Travis, in chapter one of my book, Captured by Grace, be freed from fear so you can really live. In chapter one, I, I actually tell a true story. Um, maybe those of you that are listening, you, you've heard it, but I'll tell it quickly. When World War II came to an end, it was a time of great joy and, and celebration. Proverbial swords were we're beaten into plowshares and prisoners are set free and soldiers are going home to their families. But one man, his name was Second Lieutenant Onada of the, I believe it was the Imperial Japanese Army. He chose not to believe broadcasts announcing uh, the end of the war. Mm. Now think about this, for 29 years, Lieutenant Onada, he hid in the jungles of the Philippines, refusing to come home. Wow. And, and knowing he was still out there, the authorities tried and tried and tried to reach him with, with the good news. Hey, the war's over. However, Onada dismissed flyers left by islanders as nothing but enemy propaganda. He considered letters and family photos and newspapers dropped from planes as nothing but, but tricks. Um, in 1974, uh, a Japanese college student made it his personal quest to track down this old holdout. And after trekking through the jungle, the student found the old soldier and actually befriended him, but he could not convince him to surrender. And eventually, the story goes like this, the Japanese government sent Onada's former hmm. commanding officer wow. into the jungle with orders for him to stand down. And so finally relieved of duty, Onada emptied the bullets from his rifle, turned in his weapon. For him, the war was finally over. And the story says that he returned home to a hero's welcome. Now, think about it. Hmm. For nearly three decades, that's incredible. Lieutenant Onada was engaged in a war that literally only existed in his mind against an imaginary enemy that he feared and he distrusted. <laughs> wow. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, Travis, this is exactly how many people relate to God. When I read that story, I thought, wow. This is how so many relate to God. They are opposed to him in their own mind. They mm. think that God is gunning for them every day on account of their sin. Wow. They have not heard. There has been a cessation of hostility. They have not heard that the war has already been fought and not only fought, but won. And now the Prince of Peace now sits on the throne. <laughs> and so ignorant of the good news, and fearful of God, what do they do? They spend their life laying low in the jungle. In wow. my book, I talk about the jungle of 
religion. Uh, I know I'm 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 kind of taking the long way around the mountain, but I'll I'll be coming. No, this is good. I'll be coming around the mountain when I come. But to answer your question, I wrote this book, Captured by Grace, for one simple reason, and here it is: most people have not heard the good news. They they don't even know what the news is, and they don't know what makes it good. How, mm-hmm. how do I know? Because most people are unsure of who God is and what he believes true about them. Yes. Or maybe they've heard the good news, but they don't believe it. It just does not fit in their grid. They think it's too good to be true. So they live under what I deal with in this book. They live under lies. They live under uh, false assumptions and misbeliefs refusing to come home. Hmm. And sadly, I would say this, I'm just going to throw it out there. This is just as true for Christians as unbelievers. I always thought the gospel, (laughs) well, it's, you know, it's for the unbeliever. But let me tell you something. When I came into a revelation of the gospel, I I realized, you know who needs the gospel? The Mm -hmm. church. That's right. That's right. The church needs the gospel. We need to come out of the jungle and start enjoying the life that we were meant to live. Let me tell you something. The gospel will give you back your, your life. Mm. Uh, absolutely. I, I've discovered Ben that, uh, three years ago, a little over three years ago, when I, when I came into this revelation on my own, I discovered something about the gospel and I pray this prayer every single week. Uh, before I preach, I pray, I pray, Lord, let the lost be found and let the found get free. <laughs> wow. Be- because those are two things that are happening simultaneously. And, you, you know, I just want to say uh, for all of our listeners, I-, I know Ben Daly. I know Ben Daly. Ben Ben is a friend. I've He and his wife have been in our home with my wife and I. We've uh, I- I've been in their home. We've shared meals, conversations together, life together. And not only is is Ben Daly a man of integrity, but this is his heart's message. I I tell people when they ask me about Ben, I tell them, I said, listen, when I met Ben Daly, his heart was full of a message that I didn't know I needed. Hmm. Simultaneously, I had enrolled in my master's degree program and out of the gate, I took two classes. One was a hermeneutics class, essentially learning how to rightly divide the word of God and take it in proper context. And the second was a class called biblical themes. And the first theme that we covered were the themes of covenants. Yeah. Simultaneously, Ben, you and I began to forge a friendship, didn't know that God was doing something on two different planes. And here's what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to get to. Um, I was the general you were talking about. I was hunkered down, didn't know the war was over. I was living in this world of confusion regarding God and how he relates to me and how he invites me to relate to him. Um, I heard, I'd heard people talk about the new covenant or the gospel, uh, but thought I understood what that meant. Um, until about three years ago, I'm three years down the road and by the grace of God, by the grace of God, uh, I have surrendered or I have come out of, I've come out of hiding. And when I had the courage, Pastor Ben, to, to set the lens aside that I had been viewing, uh, God through and even reading scripture as a pastor through and, and pick up a, a hermeneutically accurate lens, suddenly my world was absolutely rocked. 
with the message of grace, which is why I'm so excited about this book. I'm living in the freedom that you write about and that you're talking about, and I want to get this into the hands of every single person listening. It is incredible. In your book, you talk about something really interesting. Okay, You talk about something called PTRSD. Uh, can you break this concept down for us and why it's so important? Yeah, so our stories are similar. L Lieutenant Onada's experience is pretty, pretty close, pretty close parallel to my experience, to your experience, when we came out of the jungle, the jungle of legalism, the jungle of moralism. Now, I don't want to talk about that today, but I simply want to say, Legalism, I talk about it in chapter one, but legalism is the belief that following rules makes us acceptable. And I'll tell you, many church people, much like the Pharisees in Jesus's day, they go far beyond the Ten Commandments in, in, in setting rules for yeah. others and themselves to follow. Right. Moralism now is the belief that being a good person makes us acceptable. So it's not so much about obedience to strict rules. It's it's much more about, well, I'm nice enough. I'm good enough. I'm right. honest enough to, right. to impress God. So whatever, the jungle of legalism, the jungle of moralism. When I finally stepped out of the jungle at the end of, you know my story, the end of 2012, I'll tell you, Pastor, I realized I'd been suffering from what I call PTR. SD. Here's what that is. Post-traumatic religious stress disorder. Hmm. I, I preached each week about the saving grace of God, but I lived like grace ended the day I became a Christian. Wow. And it was entirely up to me now to prove myself to God. Wow. I taught about the love of God, but I'm going to be honest with you. I felt unloved and worse, unlovable. I taught about God's forgiveness, mm. but I often lived under a toxic cloud of shame. I taught that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us, but I often felt he was either distant or displeased with me. Yeah. He was the God of the swivel chair. One day he's turned toward me. Wow. One day he's against me. I taught about the freedom that we have in Christ, but I felt chained to the sins and errors of the past. I taught that I was a child of God, but I'm going to tell you, I lived like an orphan, desperately trying to get what I needed and terrified that it would be taken away. Hmm. I had a demand mindset. I did not have a supply mindset. And I'll tell you, my new diagnosis, PTRSD, I'll tell you what it is. It's the destructive impact of a grace-empty life. Wow. And I'll tell you, Pastor, I wish I could say that being a Christian for many, many years, as a matter of fact, grew up in the ministry, in a pastor's home, I wish I could tell you that being a Christian for many years is a guarantee against PTRSD, but it is not. And I wish I could say being a pastor is the antidote, but it is not. Grace deprivation can happen to anyone, even those who say they're the most devoted to God and to his work. Hmm. When Jesus became, don't miss this, when Jesus became just a model to follow 
or a benchmark to reach or perfection to emulate, you're missing his love. You are missing the point. You are missing his gracious heart. Christianity was never intended to be us trying to imitate Christ, mm. but rather us every day participating, not imitating, participating in the very life of God. And I'm going to tell you, our commander, our gracious commander is coming into the jungle to bring us out. Jesus speaks a revelation of the gospel that assures us, may you hear this today, those of you that are listening, that we are, we are deeply loved, that we are completely forgiven, that we yes. are totally accepted. And it is not based on our flawed performance, but it is based on Christ's perfect performance. I think yes. last time on your podcast, I talked about Limitless. In my book, Limitless, I described the wonder of God's grace demonstrated at the cross. But in my new book called Captured by Grace, you know what I do? I invite veterans of spiritual warfare to mm. realize the war is over. Wow. And you are free. It's time for you to live. So when you look at the chapters uh, in the book, I basically talk about the war is over, which is deception versus truth. And then I talk about the father's love, which is unlovable versus adored. And then I talk about never good enough, law versus grace, slow suicide, still striving versus it is finished, belonging, distance versus close, endless penance, dirty versus righteous. By the way, a revelation of righteousness is the power of the gospel in Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews, it talks about that milk is actually, uh, and immaturity is actually not growing in a revelation of righteousness, of That's faith right. righteousness. That's right. Um, an orphan mentality, victim versus victor, rightly dividing, before versus after, uh, after the but is seen versus unseen, and then empowering grace, which is legal versus vital. I want to help you come out and really enjoy this life that we've been given. Come out of the jungle. Live. Live. Mm. And so um, this is really a call, man, to live. Mm. I've discovered since my own journey began, you know, the, the paradigm of life and leadership has shifted drastically, I think, prior to understanding this incredible revelation. Um, I, I probably would have described, looking back, I would describe myself as constantly striving, trying to prove myself to God, trying to earn uh, something good from God, trying to somehow keep a place of favor with God in my life, depending upon, you know, how good my attitude was the day before, how good my thought life was, how good my, you know, whatever, my whatever it was about me that, that God might turn his head from me or turn his, in your words, the, the swivel chair God. Uh, but coming into this revelation, which was, you could ask my wife, if somebody asked my wife, I mean, it was this one of the most transformative moments of my life. I went from being a striver to being an ambassador of grace who lives, loves, and leads from a place of rest. Listen, Ben, I, I have nothing left to prove, nothing left to earn, nobody to impress, free from the opinions of man, 
because I'm already accepted. I'm already favored. I'm already loved. I'm affirmed by Jesus, the King. I Listen, watch this. And I stopped trying to climb the ladders the moment I discovered I'm already seated with Christ in heavenly places because I'm the righteousness of God. It, this is the kind of freedom that you're describing that you go into great depth and detail into your book. You do it poetically. You, you do it um, incredibly, incredibly well, succinctly. Uh, this is something I think everyone needs to get into their hands. This is something everyone needs in their library. This is something we can listen. And if you're a leader and pastor, this is something you can teach from, you can instruct from you. This is great in group, in its life group, in a small group. This is the kind of material that's going to produce maturity in the lives of the people that we're called to lead. We're called to equip the saints for the work of ministry that would grow into full that they would grow into full maturity in the revelation of Jesus. This is part of that growing mature maturing in my identity in christ i think one of the things COVID has taught us it was hard on all of us but i think one of the things it sort of taught us is is that um not everything the church was doing to grow people into maturity was working wow it, it had quite an impact on us and i think we're being called back to the main thing super excited about this you say this in your book you say that the lies of religion are contemptible because they throw doubt on the gospel would you talk a little bit about one or two of the most diabolical lies that keep people in this jungle of religion that you've been talking to us about? Well, we could stay here for a while. I'll swing at one, and if there's time, maybe two. But I, okay. I'll, I'll say this. Here's a big one, man. Um, and I believe in my book, uh, this is chapter uh, uh, five called Belonging. But here's one of those lies, man. I must get closer to God. Oh, talk about that. Well, believing this lie right here will keep you in the jungle. Mm -hmm. I must get closer to God. As a matter of fact, I've said that so many times. We've all heard it. We've all heard it. We've all heard preachers say it. We, we may even think we read it in the Bible. But, but what? What does the Bible really show us? When we realize, well, here's the pin code, I think, that unlocks the new covenant. When we realize that we are in Christ, our conception of the relationship begins to radically change. You mm -hmm. see, y'all, you don't get any closer than being in Christ. In Christ. We don't get any nearer, uh, the Bible says, than Christ being in us. Mm. And we don't get any greater intimacy than being what Paul called one spirit with him. So mm. think about this for a moment. If, if you were going to try, okay, let's say, okay, you can try to get closer. If you were going to try to get closer to God, how would you go about it? Would 27 more Bible studies do it? Would 14 more hours of prayer get you there? Would, would another seven days of fasting make it happen? And after you put the work in, how would you really know you're any close? Is closeness with God a feeling? Right. Feelings are, are fine. Emotions are fine. But are they always a reliable source of truth? Mm. And it's important to realize for the believer that closeness is a fact, not a feeling. The oh, Bible makes 
the fact of our closeness with God abundantly clear. And it has nothing to do with our feelings, nor is mm. it based on any efforts that, that we make. We have been, Ephesians 2, brought close to God by the blood of Jesus. Uh, Romans 5, we have been united to Christ forever by the resurrection. It's, it's the good news. This is the gospel. It's the good news and the finished work of Jesus that makes us close. Now, you and I may grow in our experience of God's closeness. We may grow in the experience of, of intimacy with him through the ups and downs of life, but those subjective experiences don't impede upon the objective reality that those who have trusted in Christ mm. are as close to God <laughs> as they will ever get. Literally, the Bible says, joined at the spirit level with him. One, yeah. Yeah. union, wedded. Right. Do, do, you know, do you know why this is such good news? Let me tell you. Because this means, some of you need to take a deep breath, even listen to this podcast. This means that all the huffing and puffing religion has shackled you mm. with can finally be thrown aside and you can take a deep breath, rest and enjoy your union with him. In other words, he has made you his home address. Mm -hmm. Ah, he's made you his home address and he's not going anywhere. You're not a motel, a hotel, or a holiday inn. Say he, what? I've made you my home Come address. On. I abide in you. I'm not <laughs> going anywhere. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I won't abandon you. I won't divorce you. And wow. let me tell you something. When you don't know that, you live every day wondering, oh my goodness. I wonder where God is. I wonder what God's opinion is. I wonder what his mood is today. Let me tell you something. When you know I'm one with him, it doesn't matter what we face every day. We're going to face things. We're facing things right now. We've never right. faced before. But what a confidence, what an assurance it is every day to know I'm one with him. Amen. I can keep going, but that's one of the big lies right there. Yeah, that was probably one of the greatest moments when I was walking through this journey and understanding hermeneutically, uh, you know, historical context and audience relevance, rightly dividing the word. And uh, this is one of the things that, that took some time, Ben, for the Holy Spirit and his word to deconstruct in my mind and understand this concept. Repeatedly, undeniably, the scripture is clear. He abides in us. We are one with Christ. You cannot get closer than that, irregardless of our feelings. My wife, Tina, uh, she was in a classroom setting, and the instructor asked this question about getting closer. And uh, she was very kind and honoring, but she challenged it. And she said, quite frankly, I'm as close to God as I'll ever be. I can't get any closer than I am right now. She began to quote some of the verses that you just quoted. And the professor sort of paused for a minute and looked back at my wife and said, well, I don't know. I would, I would, I would think twice about that. Are you going to be closer to Jesus when you die one day and go to heaven? She said, no. She said, I might be more aware of him, but I can't possibly get closer to him. And this is one of the most freeing realities of the gospel, that Christ abides and dwells within us. He makes his abode, his home within us, and promises to never leave us or forsake us. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you right now, I don't think 
we know the significance of what Christ accomplished on the cross, and I don't think we know that we died with him. Sure, you ask most believers, did you know Jesus died for you? Oh, yeah, I know that. But did you know that you died too? Right. And if you don't know that you died with Christ, Paul said it over and over again, you died with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. We all died with Christ. Mm. Let me tell you, if you don't know you died, then you'll never truly live. Come on. In fact, he came to identify so much with us that when he died, we died. When he rose, we rose. Because he lives, we live. In fact, Colossians 3, I believe it is, verse 3 and 4. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then verse 4, Paul closes the loop. When Christ, who is now your life, appears, then you appear with him. So yeah, someday Jesus will come back. We'll be with him in glory. But Paul's focus is not just on that future day. That's mm. all religion was about to me. Someday, 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 someday. But right. in fact, that Christ is your life right here, right now, this very moment. Now you are a child of God. Now, not someday in the sweet by and by, but right here in the sour here and now. Mm. And there were there were some early Christians living in a in a region called Galatia, and and they had begun well, but they they he says you you fell off track, you fell from grace. Right. And after Paul got the church going, he moved on, and behind him came some teachers who were mixing God's law and God's grace. So when Paul heard this, what did he do? He fired off this letter. And then sometimes I feel like this with this book is it's like, I'm firing off a letter to the church. I want to correct your thinking. I want to correct your thinking. Right. And he was so upset that he used some fiery language. Right. And he explains that in no uncertain terms, don't mix this stuff. Man, the law had a great purpose, which was to simply show you your need for grace, but it cannot be mixed. You cannot mix grace and, and law. That is not, law will not be your maturing process. That's the heart of Galatians. This life started by grace and it continues in grace. It is not this deal of you trying to do something for him. It's now what? Oh, you get to allow him to live his life in and through you. He's the vine. You're the branch. The life of the vine, the sap of the vine simply flows in the branch. And for many years, I'm going to tell you, my spiritual life felt like a grind. Mm. What finally brought the joy of the Lord into my daily life was when I realized that that, that it isn't my life right. to live. I right. mean, who did I think I was? Why did I think that I could do a better job living the Christian life than Jesus? Mm. There's only one person in the whole universe who can successfully live the Christian life. And it's not me. And I'm sorry, it's not you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus and only Jesus like a branch on the vine. I spent my life trying to do it for him, trying to squeeze, squeeze the branch, trying to pressure the branch to bring forth some fruit. But when I finally quit trying and started trusting, hmm. that's when the sprouting, the sprouting, you know, he's my sprouting 
vine, that, that I begin to bring forth the very life of God. And it changed everything for me. And so, you know, in the book, we, we, we deal with that. Man, you can really live. You can really, really live. And closeness to God is a gift. So is his life and power being expressed through us. That's a gift. It's, that's how it is with everything. When it comes to grace, that's how everything is. It's a right. gift. It's not something we conjure up through emotion or effort. It's something, here it is, we simply believe and receive by faith. Yeah, to your point, that's such a powerful and important point, Ben. I think it, Paul Paul said the same thing. He said, I won't boast in anything except the cross. It's not about my capacity to do for God. It's it's about what he did for and he is doing in and through me. He said, I can't boast about it. I can't brag about anything but the cross and the whole context of that. Pastor Ben goes back to your point to the church in Galatia. It's not about you bragging because you could be uh, circumcised or, or your quote-unquote religious zeal. He said it has always been about what Jesus accomplished for us, what he's doing in us, what he's doing through us, not us. I can't take any, I can't take an ounce of credit for this. My goodness, this is rich, rich. This is going to be one of those episodes you're going to want to download, earmark, hold on to, listen to again, share it with your team. I've got another question for you, Pastor. In your book, you talk about the never-ending struggle of never feeling good enough for God. The never-ending struggle of never feeling good enough for God. I talk to a lot of leaders. I talk to a lot of uh, pastors who um, are depressed, are discouraged, um, never quite sure if if God's happy with them, pleased with them. They they just they just don't know. And because of that, it's hard for them to enjoy their ministry. It's hard for them to enjoy their marriages. It's hard for them to enjoy their family. Uh, because they never know from one day to the next, sometimes one moment to the next, where they stand with God. Talk, take take a couple of minutes, talk to the leaders, talk to the pastors listening to this right now who can relate to this issue of never quite knowing for sure or feeling like they are good enough for God. I spent my life making promises to God, and it wasn't until I finally rested in His promise to me mm. that everything changed. Wow. And I just want to say that for those of you that are working so hard to work up your faith, to get something from God in your life, in your ministry, in your marriage, let me tell you something. Realize today that even when you were faithless, yes, he remained faithful. It goes mm -hmm. on to say, and if you deny him, he denies you. You know that word deny. I know that fear mongering, nose punching preachers love to use that at the close of their message to say, now, if you deny him, he'll deny you. That word deny means contradict. That's right. So if you contradict him, he's always contradicting you. You say, That's right. I contradict him. You contradict him every day, leader, in saying things like this. I don't know if I'm loved. He says, no, I contradict you. You are loved. Mm. I don't know if I'm worthy. He says, no, I contradict you. You're worthy. I don't know if I'm fully accepted. No, I contradict you. You are fully accepted. For real? I'm really accepted? I mean, 
I didn't hit my numbers and I didn't make my budgets and I didn't, you know, no, mm. you're fully accepted. I contradict you. Mm. He can't contradict himself. Wow. Because the promise isn't based on promises I made to him, but it's a promise he made with himself. Wow. Wow. That's a new covenant. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now that until we as leaders rest in this reality, until this is the foundation, the message that we build upon. Paul said, this is, I, I laid a foundation and the foundation is Christ. But I'll tell you, I don't know. I wonder sometimes we as leaders, we've been trying to build on, on a faulty foundation. We're trying to build on things that won't last. And when life comes and huffs and puffs and tries to blow our life and ministries and families down, guess what? It collapses. Mm. But unless we're building on the foundation, which is Christ, mm. man, the winds will come, the rains will come, the storms will come, but we can stand because it's not a faulty foundation. It's Christ and, and Christ alone. And, and he's enough. And I just declare that over your leaders today that are facing, I guess, at least in our generation, one of the most changing times that I think I can remember. Just a changing, quickly changing. Things are changing so quickly. But there's one thing that remains. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness, not yes. mine. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but I wholly lean on Jesus. I really think there's a reformation, a reformation, and we're coming back to what's most important. And we're going to build our lives right there, and, um, and we're going to live. We're going to be freed from fear so we can live. Some of you, you're distracted right now. Pastors, leaders, friends, you've been captured by distractions. You've been captured by legalism. You've been captured by moralism. You've been captured by churchianity. You've been captured by religiosity. You've been captured with that mindset that I don't know what God's mood is. You've been captured by a lot of other things, by church hype. It's time for you to be captured by grace. Wow. And hear him today. The war's over. You can take a deep breath. You can live and come on home to a hero's welcome. Wow. Wow. Let's recap today's transformational truth. All Christians understand they were saved from something, but many don't realize they were saved for something. Pastor Ben, where can people find you? Social media, Ben, at Ben W. Daily, D-A-I-L-E-Y. Uh, our church website is calvarychurch.cc. My personal website is bendaily.com. If you don't mind, I'd like to say, if you want to purchase Captured by Grace, the book, you can do it at bendaily.com, but anywhere books are sold, I think we're in 150 plus countries now. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, uh, christianbook.com, books a million, Google Books, everywhere books are sold. And if you'd let me, um, I just want to say for any leaders that maybe you want to grow in this message, uh, Gospel Circle of Churches and Ministries, it's gccm.cc. God has really, I think, put it in me. I want to help pastors grow in this, in this message, grow in this life, and uh, in, in a revelation of the new covenant, a real relational approach to life and ministry. We're trying to redefine 
success when it comes to ministry, how we do what we do. And then also for, for friends, leaders that just, man, they want to lay a foundation of this in their life. There's something called Gospel Institute. And this is something brand new. The information's in the book, but gospelinstitute.cc. By the way, you, Pastor Travis, are one of our instructors. And uh, and and so it's 10 classes, courses. You can take it at your own pace. Powerful um, way to really grow in this, in this revelation. So mm. I would encourage you to check out all this stuff. We want to help you. Yeah, absolutely. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Ben Daly, please check out the links that we've included for you in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment, go to Apple iTunes, rate the show, write us a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life and leadership. Pastor Ben, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so very much. Thank you.